0: Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we show that God deserves every praise from every creature, every day. Here is your host, Chase Green.
1: Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 21 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is Season 2 with the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts, and this is our last episode of this season. So the season has definitely flown by, but we appreciate you sticking with us for this season. We hope that you have enjoyed some of the topics that we have covered on this season of the Everyday Christian Podcast. We hope that you've also enjoyed some of the other podcasts at the Scattered Abroad Network, be sure to go and check out all of those uh, as we have podcasts for each day of the week. And you can find them at scatteredabroad.org or just search Scattered Abroad Network in the App Store or the podcast source of your choosing. We have been talking on the podcast, uh, the Everyday Christian Podcast. We've been talking to Brother Joey Davis ...the past few weeks, and we're going to wrap up our discussion with Brother Joey this week, talking about mentorship opportunities. Last week we were talking about Titus chapter 2 and uh, the various meanings of all the different uh, traits that should be mentored for the next generation in uh, that passage. And we're going to talk about a few more things about mentorship in general for this week's episode. And then we're going to go into uh, preacher mentorship, which is something that uh, Brother Joey Davis has had the privilege and opportunity to do uh, several times uh, there in Roanoke, Texas. So uh, thank you again for joining us for this episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast. We hope that you enjoy. Well, let's transition uh to our next portion now. And uh we want to ask you, Joey, what are some expedient ways of accomplishing all of this through mentorship, through spending time together, et cetera? I mentioned the Titus Two style meetings earlier. What are some other ways that we can really emphasize these things through mentorship?
0: Making the time for it first. You know, I mean nothing gets done if you don't make the time for it. So in congregations, you know, I've actually, I've spent some time thinking about this even at home at Roanoke, how we can do more to mentor uh, our, our younger uh, people. So maybe class settings that are designed to promote uh, that kind of interaction and discussion. Uh, sometimes we will divide our age groups up you know, and uh, maybe even at the adult level, we may divide the younger adults from the more senior adults. I'm not really sure that that's always a good strategy because it, it prevents the very thing we're talking about the ability to exchange wisdom and ask questions right uh, of those who have more experience
1: so I guess you know doing some of that, but also doing some other things where there's different ages working together yeah. as well you know you need kind of. A lot of different approaches. I like what you said about making time for it, because we are so rushed, so rushed as a society now, and I think prioritizing our time is key. We need to be spending time together, I think, about Acts chapter 2, daily in the temple, and and from house to house, they broke their bread. So they spent time together all the time, and it actually says daily in that context, which is It seems like it's impossible today because of how rushed we are, but we've got to take some time out for one another.
0: And you know, each congregation is going to be unique in the way that they can best address it. I just it seems to me taking the step to do it is is the critical thing. You know, preachers, elders, other leading men in the congregation in a proactive way. Inaugurating and giving some authority, you know, identifying individuals in the congregation who are capable of doing more and putting them in the situation to do that. Uh, Women, you know, we've talked a lot about how much more helpful some of the instruction would be if it came from the older women to younger women. So, you know, constructive criticism in context and situations. Uh, where the older ladies could address some of the pressing needs with the younger and the younger women have the opportunity to ask some of the older successful moms and wives, how did you do it? You know, we just, we need to make more time for those kind of exchanges.
1: Absolutely. Well, with the last few minutes that we have remaining, I'd like to transition back to preachers for a moment and, I think the church could do a whole lot better job mentoring young preachers. Uh, I say that as a young preacher. I'm I'm 31 years old, not 13, which is—I <laughs> I spoke at a summer series last night in a neighboring town, and somebody said, you don't look 31, you look 13. I said, well— uh yeah, you're holding your age well. I, I guess so. <laughs> but anyways, I, I'm a fairly young preacher for sure, but I think we could do a better job of mentoring young preachers, and— I'm thankful for the time that I had, you know, two years at preaching school. I think it was excellent. I learned a lot. I do think most of it was academic in nature, though. I do wish there was a way to get more real-world experience, and I feel like it's crucial for older preachers uh, and elders as well, and just older members, to kind of take younger preachers under their wing especially guys who are in their 20s and 30s and are figuring this out. Maybe we haven't been on the job very long. I feel like it's extremely important to mentor us. And I'll kind of let you take it away in just a second. But to illustrate an example, we preachers oftentimes joke about job listings. We say, uh, church so-and-so in Podunk, Mississippi, we want a preacher with 30 years experience Married with two or three kids, thirty-five years old, interested in sports, theater, art, science, experience with soup kitchens, good with kids, good with older folks, etc. Salary thirty-five thousand dollars a year. Uh, you must provide your own house. And we we look at job listings like that, and we're like, "Well, this seems impossible." Right. Uh, not only from the the salary perspective, I, I kind of threw that in there, uh, just because. Sometimes that is the case, but also you want a preacher with 30 years of experience who's 35 years old. So he's been preaching since he's five, and in all seriousness, they don't say 30 years experience, but a lot of times they will say three, five years experience, and a guy fresh out of school does not get opportunities because nobody's willing to take a chance on that guy who doesn't have experience. So I want to talk about internships that you have experience with. I really want to emphasize that a lot, but then also just mentoring a preacher. Maybe he didn't get the luxury of having an internship, but still, maybe an older preacher uh, coming in and, and kind of doing it the right way, mentoring him and, and helping him as he's figuring this out.
0: Yeah. So there are two extremes when you talk about this, the situation or the path of of development for preachers. There, there's the mentality or mindset that says no preacher schools right that uh, you you should you should get just go into a congregation and and work there with you know with an older uh, preacher
1: on the job training e- I guess
0: exactly uh, that uh, the focused academics are not so important right and not all men though who want to be preachers have been Christians. You know, since they were 12 years old, right? You know, I, I take myself for instance. I was reared in a an environment where one of my parents was a Christian at the time, and the other wasn't, and that's a challenge for you know a divided home uh, like that. Um, and so I didn't. There wasn't a lot of strong, deep instruction. Um, and when I decided to go to preaching school, you know, I, I was, yeah, you know, I wasn't ready, you know, going into a, an a mentorship situation for a couple of years and then going out into the world, I didn't have the academic Bible knowledge for that, but there is the mentality that says, you know, the academics aren't so important, you know, just go, go to the work. Right. Uh, and then, you know, there's the side that is typically our experience, right? Go to school for two years, get the academics, and then go. Figure it out. All right. Have fun. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you you get the academics and you're thrown out into the world. You don't have the practical experience that you spoke of, of working with an eldership, working with people in general, and you have very poor odds of success. And not that you can't do it, not that many haven't done it, but the odds are not in your favor that you're going to be able to avoid the landmines. Well, it, we talked about
1: at the very least, it's probably not going to be nearly as smooth as it could be right. if, if we take the best of both worlds approach, I guess.
0: Yeah. So we need an, an in-between strategy, really. A healthy dose of the academic, and I believe a healthy opportunity to experience the practical aspects as well. Um, you know, and we talked about the mentality of of a young preacher and I, and I had this, I I was older, I was in my thirties when I went to preaching school, but I had the mindset that if I saw a problem, you know, if sin reared its ugly head, I could preach a sermon and that was going to take care of it. And so that's one of the things you learn in an internship environment with, with a good mentor is that, you know, it's not like that at all. Local work is more like steering a barge than it is right. a speedboat. It's a good and way to put it it. It, it. it takes time to do that, and you don't get that academically. You you need to experience it. I I believe in a in a safe environment, working with an eldership that's trying to train you and help you develop that experience, rather than you being out there on your own and you know just walking into a a hornet's nest. Uh, really.
1: So to piggyback on that, you have had interns at the congregation there in Roanoke, Texas several times, two or three of them?
0: Yeah, we so when I got to Roanoke in 2011, there was an internship program already in place and that was one of the that was part of the criteria that the eldership was looking for, someone willing to have a mentor mindset. Uh, to work with a program that they had already established, and uh, during my time there, I've been there ten years. We have had three interns, and they are there for two years. And uh, we put the program on hold of a couple of years ago because of a building project that uh, we had started, and we had, you know, for a short time re- refocused uh, funds to to get that taken care of, and it was a priority and uh, I'm, I expect that we'll start this program back up uh, soon, but yes three three interns so far in, in the work there
1: so how does that work? do you put do you put out uh, feelers in different uh, preaching schools and and see if there's somebody that's interested in that and then they send an application or a resume or come try out How's that work?
0: Yeah, the elders uh, typically in the past have talked to uh, maybe the directors or an instructor at a school to, you know, that this is what we want to do and this is kind of the type of person we're looking for. And uh, they'll get feedback from the instructor or the director. And uh, we've interviewed, you know, and talked to guys to see if we felt like they would be a good fit to work uh, with us. And, uh, and that's, that's worked well to, to approach it that way.
1: Do you feel like uh, you have plenty of good candidates to choose from in that kind of situation? And are are these guys often interested in something like this?
0: Yeah, I, I, if a preacher is like I was, you know, there's kind of a fear of, uh, you know, when you're getting ready to graduate from preaching school, it's probably a lot like standing on the back of an airplane with a parachute. Okay, it's time to jump, and is my chute going to work? You know, right. when I— I need it, so there. There's a fear of going out, you know, and doing the work. I think it would be the case that most preachers would really be interested in having the opportunity to do do what uh, I I started out in an internship program uh, with Jerry Martin at Cordova. Oh yeah, and uh, had the opportunity to work with him for two years, and that I think that really helped me. As a young preacher.
1: And now he's in Cross at Arkansas, Doing starting up an internship program. That's yes. great. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of this. I think we need to do this in more places. It's extremely important. Let me ask you this, because, you know, we do need to think about the financials of something like this. A lot of congregations, they might say, well, I just don't know if we can afford to do this. I don't know if we can afford to bring on a second guy if, if maybe you've only got one or, or a third guy if you've got two or whatever. Is there a certain candidate that would maybe be more tailor-made for a situation like this as far as, well, maybe the salary is not going to be as high as one might want? So maybe a guy with four kids, this might not be for him. Is that a consideration, you think, in a lot of situations like this? Or does it just depend? Or what do you think?
0: Well, again, the purpose of the internship is to to take a man fresh out of school, give him a couple of years experience working with a local congregation. And that really doesn't have anything to do with the size of his family or his financial needs. So I tend to say no. Now, the financial aspect is is huge, right? Because a lot of congregations just don't have the finances to do that. So some recommendations that, I would make yes. one, you could look at it as part of your your mission work, right. I and mean, it really is. Uh, our goal in Roanoke has been to prepare a young man to preach and maybe help him find a work in our area to strengthen the church in our area, and that's not always the case, but that's one of the ways that we look at it, so it could be viewed as part of your mission work. Uh, another thing you could do is talk to the congregation and say, this is what we're wanting to do. Our budget doesn't support this right now. But this would be a really good work for this congregation. So what are you willing and able to do as far as commitment to make sure that the budget comes up enough to support? And I think right.
1: we I think we underestimate that too, because yeah. a lot of times members I don't want to say all the time or a lot of times, but sometimes I think it it occasionally happens where there may be a little holding back because they're like, well, I don't I don't see where my money's going. Well, and they see something like that and they say, hey, I've been looking for an opportunity to give to something like this.
0: Right. You know, people and, and we're like this in other aspects of our life. You know, we don't want to stick money somewhere that it's not going to be productive or resourceful and so if you can show the members of the congregation how effective and how successful that contribution to a good working cause can be I, I think like you said you know that that's a great selling point a third option is raise support you know if if you can't do it as a congregation if if the congregation just simply won't Uh, won't won't be able to sustain it financially, then raise support. You know, look at it from the perspective of a, a mission work. Sure. And you know, three or four congregations in an area, maybe in a small community say there are four congregations and none of them individually can afford to do this but maybe in a cooperative effort they could make it happen financially and then they could all support the training and experience. And at Roanoke, obviously the intern can't preach every Sunday, you know, because right. I'm the local preacher there. But if you're working with four congregations in a the community, there may be an opportunity for him to preach almost every Sunday. Great point. These different congregations.
1: Absolutely. What about uh and I want to say this real quick and then I'll ask you a question. But uh, I think you know, obviously, Foreign Mission Works are, are wonderful, and we need to support those as well. One thing I think maybe I guess is a somewhat of a hindrance to that is maybe the church members can't see those results as much as they would like. Well, this is a thing where you can see, you can see results because he's right there with you. You can see those tangible results, and that might be a selling point for something like this for people who are thinking about it.
0: Right. You know, with our interns— the former interns we've had, uh, the congregation can see, and they come back. Sometimes they have opportunity to come back and speak and visit, and the congregation can see the success that they, they've they been a part of.
1: Right. What about, let's say an eldership is considering this, but let's talk about some fears that they might have. Well, what if he doesn't get along well with our, our pulpit preacher? Uh, what if... It turns out he becomes a false teacher and we had a part in training him. What if uh, he turns out to be immoral? Things like this that might be fears that we might have getting into something like this.
0: Yeah. You know, that could happen with anybody. That could happen with your local preacher. You right. Know, you're, you're that, your pulpit so, guy, right? right? So I don't, I wouldn't put a lot, uh, into those kinds of of concerns i mean after all you're bringing him him in and giving him an opportunity to do just the opposite of those things one thing i would say is to a congregation is to really gauge your preachers interest in doing this right and if he if he's not interested don't do it absolutely because it would be counterproductive
1: and it it could actually end up being confrontational, too. Uh,
0: yeah, so make sure the preacher's on board. If he is, you know, if, he, if he's interested in mentoring and helping uh, develop an Elisha or a Timothy or a Titus, you know, then by all means, that's a great place to start.
1: And it's going to be a time commitment for him, too. I mean, yeah, he he might get a Sunday night off while the young man preaches or something, but he's also going to be having lunch with this guy regularly. Right. He's going to be having conversations in the office, and that might take away from some of the time that he might spend in lesson preparation or, or his visiting, which, you know, at the same time, this young man can go visiting with him too. Hey, you're my visiting partner. We're going visiting today. Right. So there's pluses and minuses of it from a time perspective, and and um, I guess in, in many perspectives, I guess I would say, right?
0: There, there are. And I have I thoroughly enjoyed the the opportunity to to see the growth and development, and I enjoy watching these guys and their work, uh, and to know that. Uh, our congregation had a part in helping them uh, to succeed and to be an asset to the kingdom.
1: Right. Well, I guess uh, that's a good place to kind of wrap up our discussion. Uh, I guess I'll just ask you one more time. You definitely think that that's a very profitable situation that congregations really need to seriously consider.
0: Yeah, I I would, you know, and if somebody has a question, about it, uh, And I would be more than willing to answer any questions about what we do at, have done at Roanoke. I spoke a couple of years ago, I guess it was at Focal Point in San Marcos on this particular subject and did a lesson kind of given the, you know, the basics of, of an internship. Program right. And,
1: I've listened to that. It's okay. very good.
0: Yeah. So if someone's interested, they might listen to that or I'd be happy to answer any questions questions i could reach out to you and you can put them in touch uh, sure. with me
1: and i'll try to put the uh, i'll try to remember to put those your email and, and oh, those yes, things in great. the show notes for this episode sure so
0: i don't know if i'll get an opportunity to say this before we cut off but i just want to uh, make a comment about the work that uh, you guys are doing with scattered broad Tr- tremendous uh, work and i believe y'all are doing a lot of good uh, great good I've put a lot of miles walking around uh, the city of Roanoke listening to all of you on uh, your podcast. So keep up the good work. Uh, it's it's really needed and I think a very beneficial asset to the well, church.
1: Well, we certainly appreciate that. And uh, it's it's gotten off the ground in, in the last year or so, and it's really starting to uh, increase in, in uh, I guess, visibility out there, and, and people are finding out about it. And so we're really thankful for that. And uh, we're really thankful for guys like you coming in and Absolutely. and being on our podcast. So, uh, again, just thank you so much. And uh, you, what, how long was the drive? Was that about an hour? It's about an hour. About an hour drive that Joey uh, did to uh, come up and speak to us on course, the podcast. where
0: I come from, everything's 30 minutes to an hour away. So.
1: Right, right. So I told him, I said, well, uh, I'll take you to lunch if you come speak for the <laughs> podcast for us. He said, good deal. So. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Everyday Christian podcast, and if my calculations are right, this is the last episode of this season for the Scattered Abroad podcast. We want to thank you so much for sticking with us and continuing to listen to this podcast, the Everyday Christian podcast, as well as all of our podcasts on the Scattered Abroad network. Please go and check out those at scatteredabroad.org, or you can find us in the various Podcast listening apps of your choosing. Uh, Also, follow our master feed, Scattered Abroad Network Master Feed. If you do that, that's the simplest way to find all of our podcasts, and you can listen to each one uh, every day of the week when we are in season. We also have a summer season as well with a couple of podcasts during those months as well. Please like and follow and share uh, our social media sites as well. And also, this would help us tremendously. If you could give us ratings in the app stores that you listen on, that will help increase the likelihood of other people finding our podcast. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast. Thank you, Joey, for being here for this uh, these last few episodes of the podcast, and we hope that you will join us next season on the Everyday Christian Podcast.